book of the Revelation. If I have it correctly in my notes, uh, we ended off at verse 7. We have covered what the, what the purpose of, uh, of why this book is written. It is written to reveal who the Lord Jesus Christ is in his glory, who he is and what he does. And it is a marvelous thing to see, to see that. Chapter 1 and, and verse, verse 7 uh, is where I have that we, that we left off. Um, and uh, uh, we've seen that the description of, of the Lord Jesus in verse 5, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the first one that was, res- that was uh, resurrected from the grave immortal, and the prince or the ruler, or the ruler of the kings of the earth, Unto him that loved us, and he washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In verse 7, we pick up. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Now, and, and as always, if there's any comments, questions, uh, something you would like to discuss as we go through uh, go through this, oh, always feel free to chime in, raise your hand, wait for a pause, whenever, whenever uh, interrupt me if you would like, uh, as, as we're here in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, Amen. So he comes in the clouds, just as, just as uh, the uh, uh, disciples were told that he descended into, or ascended into the clouds, Acts chapter 1, if you'll turn there with me. We see here in Acts chapter 1 that the Lord Jesus spent with the disciples 40 days speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God in chapter 1 and verse 3. And uh, he tells them many things. He spent 40 days, and that's, all that, that, that's what they discussed, the kingdom of God. And uh, he then continues to speak with them, and I'm missing, missing the verse. There it is, verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And by the way, if that was not going to happen, this would have been the perfect time for him to say, hang on, guys, you've got the kingdom all messed up. It would have been the perfect time for him to say, there's not going to be an earthly kingdom. But there is going to be an earthly kingdom. His response does not say, there's not ever going to be one. They did misunderstand many things that he taught concerning the kingdom of God. It is spiritual at this point in time. It is something that is not of this world. His kingdom, his visible kingdom, will not be of this world. It will be a completely, it, it will be a completely different order than this world currently is. He will be the visible head of all the nations. He will be reigning in Jerusalem, sitting upon the, the throne of David, just as he was promised. Not just in the heavenly Jerusalem, but in the actual Jerusalem. Just as, just as was promised, all of those promises that were made in the Old Testament concerning Messiah that can, are 
interpreted and fulfilled literally by the Lord Jesus Christ, the ones concerning the kingdom will be no different. They will also be fulfilled literally. But we, we continue, he, and he says unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, sh shall so come in like manner. Just as he was received up into the clouds, and a cloud blocked, blocked their vision, he will come back in clouds, just as he was taken up, as ye have seen him go into heaven. He will return the same way he left, in clouds, in clouds of great glory, in, clou in clouds to uh, bring judgment upon this world, in clouds of, uh, uh, of uh, and, and that's exactly what he said. Matthew chapter 24, a familiar, a familiar passage, Matthew 20, not Mark, Matthew 24. Matthew 24 and 30, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven. 20, Matthew 24, 30, Coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He has authority, and he has, and, and he has uh, these clouds of heaven with power and great glory. He will come to rule the nations with a rod of iron, shattering them like potter's vessels. He is the one that will do that very thing. He will come with clouds, and every eye shall see him. It will not be, when, when that happens, it will not be a hidden event. It won't be local. It will be universal. He will come, and every eye will see him. And they also which pierced him. That is, uh, we, we see from Zechariah. If you'll come to Zechariah chapter 12, we see that they which pierced him, it's not talking about the Romans. It's talking specifically about the Jews. Zechariah chapter 12. In verse 10, we'll, we'll get verse 9. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. There will come a day when all the nations will come against Jerusalem. Jerusalem will have no allies. Israel will have no friends. All of her friends will have turned against her. She will have nowhere else to turn but back to the Lord God. But they won't turn to the Lord God in and of themselves. We, no man can, neither, uh, neither Gentile nor Jew. We're all under sin. We're all a slave to sin is what, is what we're taught in, in, in the scriptures, even by the Lord Jesus himself. What will happen? before they turn to the Lord God. And I will pour, verse 10, upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. That is what must happen first. That is what happens to all of us first. He pours upon us the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me. They shall look upon me. This is, the, this is Jehovah, Lord, the Lord God, speaking. Shall look upon me whom they have pierced. 
Who did they pierce? They pierced the Lord Jesus Christ. They, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. The preeminent one is the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times is he called the firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of every creature? He is the preeminent one. He is not firstborn. He's not the first creature. That's not what it's talking about. It is, he is the preeminent one. He is the one above all of us. He is the firstborn of his brethren. He is the preeminent one, the one above all of us. We may be joint heirs with him. We may have equal standing with him before God because he has given us his righteousness and taken our sin. So we, as far as God is concerned, we look like him. We look like the Lord Jesus. But he is the preeminent one. He has preeminence above all of us because if it wasn't for him, we're not worthy. We don't deserve any of that. But he, he has uh, imputed unto us those things and has made us worthy, has washed us from our sins by his blood. And they, and they just, just like us, they will have the same uh, reaction. Isaiah 53, we're familiar with, with that, that chapter that could easily be referred to as the gospel according to Isaiah. That reaction that they have, they mourn, they, they, they talk about the imputation of sin to him and, and uh, how God will look upon him and see his seed. He looked upon Christ on the cross and he saw us. Our sin was imputed to him. He became a sin offering for us. On our, on our behalf, he took, he took our sin and paid the debt in full. What a marvelous gift that that is. But Isaiah 53 if you read, if you read in, in the context, that is, that is a, a confession. That's the, that is what I, I, this preacher's opinion. That's the, what the Jews are going to confess in this day. The day that they get the spirit of grace and supplications poured upon them. That is a confession. That is the confession that they will make. They, they shall uh, look upon him whom they pierced. Sure, the Romans did it, but they're not the ones who were given the... The Romans are not the ones who were given the, uh, 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 the full brunt of the guilt. The Jews are the ones that demanded it. They, therefore, they receive, they receive the brunt of that guilt. They also which pierced him. And, and keep your hand there. I don't know if you, if you already turned back away from Zechariah, but we'll, we'll come back there in just a moment because there's a very, interesting, uh, a very interesting note in the next verse. They also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. They will, they will be very concerned. There will be those, those who, who wail because of, of the punishment, of the judgment that is coming. Though they will be very concerned about what Christ is going to do. We, we looked, uh, I believe last time I was here, at Revelation 6, where the, the captains and the kings and the chief men and the mighty men, they, they all go into the mountain, desiring that the mountain would fall on them, because the day of his great wrath has come, and who shall be able to stand? Wailing. Jesus said in... in uh, in hell, there is uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is those who who gnash their teeth. I don't. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. God is unjust. And those weeping, weeping the same thing. I shouldn't be here. 
I was a good person. I did many wonderful things. Lord, Lord, did I not do many wonderful things in your name? But not all those that say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of his Father. Those are the ones that enter the kingdom of heaven. Not that we're saved by works, but those ones were never saved to begin with. They, they did many religious works for the sake of religion, but they were never saved by the blood of Christ. They never had, they never had a, 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 uh, a true belief in what Christ did, which is the evidence of Christ having died for one. We continue to verse, but even so, amen. May, may it be so. Not my will, but yours be done. It will be a, a bad time, as we've, as we've examined previously. It will not be a fun time to be upon the earth, even so, truly, truly, even so of a truth. This is going to happen, even so, amen. Now we get to the Lord Jesus. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, which is to come, the Almighty. And this Alpha and Omega, we were familiar with the Greek alphabet in, a, in so much as we know Alpha and Omega are our A and Z. They are the first and the last of the Greek alphabet. If you're, if you're familiar with a man named Joseph Rabinowitz, he was a Jew in Russia in the late 1800s. And he was given, he was a, not a Christian at this time, but he was given a New Testament and told to go find a place for the Jews back in their homeland. He was given a New Testament and he went to Israel, to the land of Canaan. And uh, the reason he was given a New Testament is because, hey, the stuff in here, the locations and things like that, it's all true. We don't know about this, this Yeshua guy, but the locations and, and the things that are described are true. So use it as a guide to kind of orientate yourself. So he takes it, and he is sitting upon the Mount of Olives, and he's reading this verse. And he reads, I am Alpha and Omega. And he knew Hebrew very, very well. In Hebrew... The first and the last letters are the Aleph and the Ta. Back in Zechariah, there is a Hebrew word in between me and whom. That is simply an Aleph and a Ta. And it is used, it's untranslated, but it is used to direct what is the direct object. It is used to help point to the direct object. So it is a helping word to determine whom it is that is speaking. Who is me? And it is the Lord God. And he understood. He, under, he knew that that's what Christ was getting at. Not, that's not the only spot. That, that's not the only thing Christ meant. But he understood immediately that Christ is the Aleph and the Ta. He is the me whom they pierced. And he, he right, right then and there, gave his life to the Lord Jesus. He knew who Christ was. He knew who Yeshua claimed to be and that it was true. And he became a, a great Christian advocate among the Jews in Russia. A wonderful story, if you ever have a, have a chance to, to read about it. Joseph Rabinowitz. He, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph and the Ta, the A and Z, Nothing is hid from him. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, as we will see. 
there is nothing, uh, nothing that he, uh, nothing that he does not know, nothing he cannot do. He is the one who created all things and for whom all things were created. He is the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. He is to come. He is to come. He is to return. The Almighty. Now, Isaiah, uh, a passage that we're familiar with, Isaiah 9. I'd like to look at the names, the titles that the Lord Jesus has given in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called, now this is a noun, not an adjective, wonderful, full of wonder, full of marvel. Marvelous works would he do, everyone will, will wonder at him. What, how, how is he speaking such gracious words in, in Luke chapter 4? When, when uh, he reads from the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, Today is this scripture fulfilled in your hearing, which they all understood was a, was a, messianic, uh, a messianic scripture. And he says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The one who has come to preach has come. I am him. And they're wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. Uh, this is Joseph's son. How can he say such things about himself? He's, he's a carpenter. He hasn't been, he's not even been to, uh, he's not even been to seminary. But it is because he is the Lord God. He is, he is the Messiah. He is the wonderful, the full of wonder. He is the counselor. He is the mighty God, the almighty, the El Gabor, as, as the Hebrew is behind here, which is elsewhere, uh, same same uh, rendering, but it is in other places specifically used of Jehovah. It is because the our Lord Jesus is Jehovah, the everlasting Father or the Father of eternity. He is the one who created all things, the Prince of Peace, the one who brought peace between God and His people. He He is not He. You'll remember him saying, I didn't come to bring peace upon the earth, nay, but a sword, to, to set uh, son-in-law against mother-in-law and father against son and, and daughter against mother-in-law and so on and so forth. He didn't come to bring peace upon the earth. He is not a prince of peace of the world. He's the prince of peace between us and God. For without him, there is, there is an anger that would be against us. We're saved from wrath through him. Not, uh, in, in we, we, discussed, we discussed that previously. God is no longer salvifically angry at us. Sure, we get chastened. Sure, we get disciplined. But that doesn't make us not sons. You discipline your children. You chasten them. You correct them. You instruct them in the way of righteousness. But that doesn't change the fact that they're your children. Yes? Exactly. Exactly. Hebrews 12 says if you, if you don't receive chastisement, you're a bastard. You are an illegitimate child, which that's what the world is. They're illegitimate children. Cry, uh, sure, God made them. 
but he's not a heavenly father to them in the way that he is to his people. If they don't, if one doesn't receive chastisement, that is the evidence that they are a child of God. Something to uh, I always enjoy seeing that that Isaiah nine pass Isaiah nine six and the and the descriptions, the titles that are given to the Lord Jesus. The government sits on his shoulder. He is the one. He is the foundation in which true government should be built. He and and when he comes and sets up his his visible kingdom, he will be the head of all of it. He will be the one who is instructing all of it. He's the one who is guiding all of it, the one who all of it is built upon, the one who all, all the nations of the world should be looking to now if they were to be wise, if they were to be instructed, as Psalm 2 instructs, uh, instructs the judges and the kings of the earth to do. They should be looking to him now. But he, he is the Almighty. He's the one who, who is and was and is to come. And verse 9 I, John, who also am your brother. Remember, he's writing to the seven churches. Back in verse 4, John to the seven churches, which are in Asia. And we, we get a, a description in verse 11 of who that's going to be, the church in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. He is their brother, he's our brother, and companion in tribulation, uh, that is persecution, the trials in this life, the standing fast on the word of God will bring persecution. All those that seek to live godly in Christ Jesus shall, it's not, an, it's not a matter of if, shall suffer persecution, Paul tells Timothy. It will come. It will come. In, ta- in days past, it may not have been so great in this country. But it still came then, and it comes in greater number now. And, and elsewhere in the world, they, haven't, they don't even have the peace that we have here. Think about the Christians that are in Saudi Arabia or Afghanistan or, or the, the nations of that part of the world, Africa, where in the, in the nations that are, that are Muslim nations. They get beheaded regularly because of their, because of their trusting the Lord Jesus. In, uh, in Islam... They have a Jesus in Islam. That's uh, something I, I don't think many know. They have a Jesus. And that Jesus claims to be the Jesus of the Bible. But he says, I, I'm nothing but a prophet. And that's absolutely false. They're, they're uh, um, drawing a blank on what their book is. Quran says that Christians, ye people of the book, have nothing to stand upon except the Gospels and Moses. That's all we need to prove who the Lord Jesus is. Oh, you give me Moses, I'll prove who Jesus is. We, we, don't, we don't need anything more than that, but their, their, their book gives a contradiction. They say Jesus isn't who he claimed to be, and yet says he, that Moses and the Gospels are correct. It, I don't understand, but... But uh, though, and those of their religion that are converted are cast out, are shunned, are, are kicked out of the community for their trusting the, the true Lord Jesus Christ. 
And, and uh, that's the type of the persecution that we suffer here is great in, in our feeling and understanding, but it is still nothing compared to what some of the Christians through, throughout the ages have gone through. Um, it is something, something to keep in mind, what, what we suffer here, not that we shouldn't fight. It's not at all what I'm, what I'm uh, advocating for, but just something to keep in mind as, as we're praying for the persecution and, and the uh, repentance of this nation. A once great and Christian nation that would be described at least today as a, a, Christian, nation, a Christian nation. Christian nationalism is a, is a crazy the, the fact that if you believe the scriptures, you are now a Christian nationalist, is, uh, and that's a derogatory term. Uh, uh, people are crazy today. That's, 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 uh, it is absolute insanity, um, some of the things. I digress. He's our brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and, uh, and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So why was he in Patmos, which was a prison island? It's nothing but rock. That's where, where they would send exiles. He was there for or because the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. He was there because of who Jesus, who, who he claimed Jesus was and what, what Christ stood for. The Jews, the Jews didn't want him. They saw him as one who would incite sedition and rebellion against the Romans because he claimed not Caesar is Lord, but Jesus is Lord. And Caesar needs to bow the knee to Jesus. Ah, uh-uh, we can't have that in our kingdom. You're going into exile. You're going to prison. And we know when John was in Patmos. He was in Patmos in the AD 90s. This could not have been written he, this would be a lie if he, was, if he wrote this and said, I'm on Patmos, but I wrote this in AD, that doesn't, before A.D. 70, because this is not talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. We, we've already looked in the past at what the Great Tribulation is. It is worse than the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. We've already had things that are worse than A.D. 70 in, our, in, in uh, recent memory. Things we, things we can think about, uh, uh, let alone all the battles and the destructions that, hap- that have happened since then. Think of all the destruction of World War I and, and everything that happened in Europe in World War II. Just complete cities demolished and all the firebombing that happened in Japan. All the horrible things that happened. All worse than, than what happened in A.D. 70. He's on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ, for who he is and what, what he has done, that he is Lord and that he is Messiah, he is the Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a voice as of a trumpet. So on the Lord's day, the Christians have already started describing Sunday as the Lord's day. We refer to it as that, but it's not simply out of tradition. Here is, here is an example in the scriptures of being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. And he heard behind me, uh, he heard behind him a voice as of, uh, as of a trumpet. Now, he didn't actually hear a trumpet blaring. 
a voice as of a trumpet. It's very loud, very declaring. Well, what did that voice say? Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. That is Asia Minor. We would call it Turkey. Unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto Thyatira and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. So he says, everything that you have seen, you, if we, I don't think we'll make it to verse 19, but verse 19 gives a division. Everything that you have seen, everything that you are seeing, and everything that you will see. There's three divisions in the book of the Revelation. Past, present, to John, and future. All of that, write down. So he had to write the whole book of the Revelation seven times. That is also, uh, I'm not a, a, a huge expert in biblical numerology, but what I've been told, the, book, the, the number seven is the number of completeness. Perfection, yes. There's seven churches here. That is the, the number of perfection. Not that there should only be seven churches. There, there are uh, some things that we're going to get into once we get to chapter two, and at the rate we're going, it'll be a couple of months. Um, but uh, some things that we'll notice of those churches, some, some very instructive things. But there, there's a, uh, a reason he has them, has it written seven times for these seven different churches. Why didn't he just write it one time and, okay, uh, Ephesus, which was the port city for Asia Minor, you read it, you understand it, and then pass it on to the next. He wanted, he wanted an individual writing for each of these churches. He, he had him write it seven times for a purpose, for the purpose uh, of, of completion, a bringing an end to the testimony. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And, and we'll see the specific words written for those churches. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now we, we start to get into symbology of the book of the Revelation. And, and, and symbology is difficult to understand. But that's why we study. That, that's why we continue reading. It isn't, we don't get everything the first time. The first time you read the gospel according to John, which there's very little, if any, symbology. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm just using that as an example. You miss stuff. I miss stuff. We all miss stuff. You go back through it again. You pick up things. Oh, I didn't see that before. Uh, and you go through it a third time and over and over. I've uh, only, only been a Christian a short while, only been reading the scriptures for a few years. Our past, my pastor, who's been a Christian far longer, has read the Bible much, many, many more times than I have. He still sees things every day that he hasn't seen before. That is an evidence that it is infinite. He's been walking with the Lord some 65 or 70 years, something, something to that effect, and has read it at least once a year, the whole, the whole thing through, many books many more times than that, and still sees things. It is so infinite, so infinite for us to continue digging. The seven golden candlesticks. So he turns around. He sees, he, he sees seven golden candlesticks, and that's uh, lampstands. They're holding, they're holding seven, seven lamps. 
And in the midst of the seven candlesticks or lampstands, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about, girt about the paps with a golden girdle. He sees one, he sees someone, someone that looks like a person. He looks like a person and he's wearing a, gold, a golden garment. He's wearing, he, he's wearing lots of gold and his head and his hairs were white like wool as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. I'm going to read through the, through the description, and we'll go see where Daniel describes the same, the same thing. His feet, like undefined brass, as if they... I'm sorry, verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So you have that, you have that in your head. Golden, uh, golden garment, and his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire, his eyes were red. His feet were like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. Come to Daniel chapter 7. And I want to see a, a similar description. And we'll note who Daniel is speaking of. In Daniel 7, 9, I believe it is. I beheld... Ancient of days. Yes, Daniel 7, 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair on, of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. Thousands, a thou, a thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, the books were opened. So you see the, the, the similar description given there. His, his uh, garment was white as snow, but his hair on his head was like pure wool. And his throne was a fiery flame. His wheels were as burning fire. This, if we continue reading, verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. There's a similar description given, but it is the Father that's being spoken of here in Daniel chapter 7. And it is the Son of Man that comes with the clouds of heaven. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Son of Man. He is also the Son of God. And he comes with the clouds of heaven. He comes to the Ancient of Days and is given a dominion, an everlasting dominion. But this description in Revelation, it is not of the Father. As we continue, he had in his right hand, verse 16, seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. So we get a similar description between father and son. And then, as we've noted in Revelation 19, when Christ comes and he's got a two-edged sword that comes out of his mouth, his, his voice is a weapon. When he says that they die, they die. When his enemies, when he tells his enemies to perish and be removed, they're removed. They're gone. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to fight with a sword. He doesn't have to shoot a gun. All he has to do is speak. 
and it stands fast, command, and it, and it is done. Just, a, just in the way that he created. He created. When he created, it was a fiat. It was, he spoke it into existence. He spoke, and it was done. Same thing will be when, when he uh, destroys his enemies at his coming and when he uncreates this universe, when he destroys it, when it melts with fervent heat, when, when he wipes it, wipes it away and builds back new, a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He will do that also with his voice. The, his countenance, his face, shined as the sun in his strength. Very quickly, Matthew 17, 2, the Mount of Transfiguration. You may remember the description that is given of the Lord Jesus there. And, and was transfigured, Matthew 17, 2, before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. There is him in his glory, just as he's given here in Revelation chapter 1. His face, his face shone with the brightness of the sun. When, when Paul, Paul gives three counts of seeing the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus, he describes one of them as the brightness. He's looking into the brightness of the sun. We tell our children, and we were told as children, don't look at the sun. Don't look at the sun. It, it will burn your eyes. How much more, if he's looking at the Son of God, blinded in the eyes. He was blinded, uh, completely blind for a time. Couldn't see anything, had to be led about by the hand. He was blinded because he looked directly into, into the Son of God's glory. Here on the Mount of Transfiguration, that glory that was veiled by his flesh shone through. Even his raiment, even his clothing was white as the light. Whiter than any fuller could ever make, we're told in one of the parallel accounts. His, we're, we're told in the book of Hebrews that the veil over the Holy of Holies was ripped from top to bottom when he died. That veil that was his flesh, it says, when his flesh was ripped, when his flesh was destroyed, when he died, the way was made. The way was made manifest into the Holy of Holies. We come to God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through our high priest. Can we come and seek mercy in time of great need? That glory that was veiled shone through for a time. They, his, his face, and uh, it would have been an amazing sight, but that is what John is seeing here. He is seeing Christ in his glory. He's seeing Christ uh, having the same glory, having the same description as his father in Daniel chapter 7. They are, he did say, my father and I are one. Now, they're not only one in purpose, but they're the same God. There's only one God. There's not two. There's not three. There's only one. Father and son are the same God. They're not the same. I hesitate to use the term person because that's not used in the scriptures, but that's the, the best way is one of the best ways to describe it. They are not the same person, but they are the same God. They're both described as Jehovah. And here, Christ is seen in his glory, shining, his, his face shining as the sun in his strength, midday, brightest that it ever is. Not in the morning, not at dusk. In its strength. And we'll pick up, we'll pick up there, verse 17, next time. Thank you for your time and attention this morning.